Hey, y'all. My name is Jonathan Martin, and welcome back to the Zeitcast. It's Holy Week. It's Monday, Thursday in particular. And so many things are swirling here at DePaul University. Uh, we celebrated a beautiful Passover, Passover Seder a few hours ago. So that's fresh in my imagination right now. A lot of holy celebrations that are converging this week. And a lot I want to say about that. A lot of things that are new, a lot of things that are really fresh. But for right now, I want to say this much. Passover. There's a lot we could say about Passover, like so many religious festivals in the spring, certainly an agricultural holiday in its root form. But uh, in its fullest expression, Passover, we understand primarily as a retelling. There's not a definitive liturgy, but the thing that makes Passover what it is, is you have to retell the story. You rehearse the story. And having retold that story uh, of how God raised up God's people out of Egypt, thinking about the fact that this is a time of year that reminds everybody, all people, that there are people who are oppressed and there is a liberation movement, that there is a God of liberation that we have to intentionally choose to work for this kind of freedom, to participate in this kind of freedom movement, implications for the whole world. So much that we could say about all that. But as Christians during Holy Week, there's a particular way that we rehearse our understanding of the story. And that just keeps getting richer and deeper for me. It's why Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday has so much more meaning for me now, so much more weight than it used to. And I've just been thinking about this beautiful conversation I had with our dear friend, Joel Everson. I know, of course, he was just featured on the Zeitcast. You're all familiar with Joel and you love him the way that I do. So I don't feel like that needs a whole lot of uh, introduction except to say this was such a wonderful conversation for Monday, Thursday as a partnership between the table in Oklahoma City and Gobin United Methodist Church here in Greencastle, even then. And it just felt appropriate to share with you today. So for all of the things I'd love to skip ahead into uh, this holy weekend, there's so much stirring in me, so many ways that this ancient story of death and resurrection, the pattern is coming alive to me all over again. Uh, there's so many other places that we need to go, but it felt like tonight, that uh, I need to revisit this place. So this conversation is on non is on nonviolent atonement and the meaning of the cross. And I hope that wherever you are and however you're approaching this Holy Week, one of the things I love about Holy Week is that no matter where you are, you can find yourself in the arc of this big story somewhere, somehow. And whether that's in, you know, the triumphant entry, on more towards the descent into Monday, Thursday, and the bleakness of Good Friday, the ambiguity of Holy Saturday, uh, the hope of Easter Sunday. Hey, wherever you are, you can find that big star on the map that says you were here somewhere during Holy Week because it's a big story that has room for all of us. It has room for all kinds of people. It has room for all kinds of emotion. And I can assure you that nothing that you're feeling, nothing that you're experiencing right now is too complex to be off the grid of this story. You can find yourself in here somewhere. And I hope for the moment you can find yourself somehow in this Monday, Thursday conversation. So as always, uh, if you're able to comment, like, subscribe, share, any of those things means so much to us. 
Certainly, if you're able to support on Patreon, thank you so much for making this possible. Uh, that means so much to me. Uh, but most of all, again, just hope you'll be able to ca- uh, be caught up in this big story once again that helps us find meaning in all of our little stories. Once again, welcome back to the Sidecast Holy Week edition. Let's go. family. It's so good to be um, with you on this Maudie Thursday as we are spending time journeying through Holy Week together. And I have to tell you, um, I'm so excited, thrilled um, to have uh, my really, really good friend and yours uh, with us for this conversation when we're going to talk about things like this. I couldn't imagine somebody I would rather talk about this with then uh, Jonathan Martin. So um, welcome, Jonathan. Oh, thank you, Joel. I was so thrilled that you asked me to be here. And you know, I mean, we we basically talk every day. So it's kind of like, I'm like, why, why, why not? Why not? I'm why not like, just, so, why not just and record I love the folks it, right? Gobin, so like, if we could talk about Jesus on Monday, Thursday, I mean, what's what's not to love? I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. It's uh-huh. It's an honor. That's so great. And most of you from Gobin will will remember Jonathan. He has been with us a few times. Uh, He came and did an incredible lecture. Um, I guess now, was that about a year and a half ago, Jonathan? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, was was with us again. um, Oh, gosh, that was celebrating uh, the anniversary of Dr. King's um, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking at Gobin. um, And uh, what a great time that was. Yeah. Oh, so special. So it just feels like, I guess in some ways, it just feels like you're part of the community, Jonathan. And, and uh, mm-hmm. that's, it's just so special for you to be with us. Um, well, thanks so, for making me feel that way. It's special for me, for sure. Yeah. So we, um, when we decided to, to have kind of these, um, this time, I, I really felt like that one of the things we should do is leading into Good Friday to, to talk mm-hmm. about what, how does what happens on Monday, Thursday inform what we see on Good Friday? Mm-hmm. And for so many of us, um, we might have been raised or informed uh, religiously in some type of idea of a more punitive, um, uh, wrath filled um, uh, picture of what happens on the cross. And mm-hmm. um, I thought it might be good rather than trying to sermonize uh, or fit this into a homily, just to kind of have a, a conversation about how else do we see the cross and how can what we see on Monday, Thursday, when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples and gives the new commandment, as it were, that we love one another, how does that uh, in some way um, root us? and center us so that we can see Good Friday 
correctly and see it well. So Jonathan, that's, that's kind of, uh, I guess maybe the thesis or why we're here. So I, I, um, I had a couple of thoughts, uh, that, that I had, and then I'm just going to throw it to you to kind of just, um, share what, what you're feeling. But I, I really think that if it is the idea that the clearest picture we have of God is found in Jesus, and we see that Jesus in that in that beautiful uh, passage from from John's Gospel, having understood that all power and authority was given to him, he serves. He takes a towel and washes their feet, and then we see that that um, that new commandment that we love one another. Yeah. If this is the pinnacle of of uh, what it means to to be in the way of Jesus is to love one another. Is it not possible that then the cross is the pinnacle of the divine self-disclosure, what God is really like and not dissimilar from what we see on Monday, Thursday? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I love that. I love that phrase, Joel, in terms of being the, the pinnacle of um, God's self-revelation because it's like, well... I mean, I think whether we think about a verse like there's that great scripture in Hebrews, you know, about uh, how Jesus, how God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or we think about how in our own First Testament scriptures, how much we read that celebrates the beauty of the law and the goodness of the law. Uh, The law was always good. And the heart of Judaism has always been about love. So none of that is new. Um, unfortunately, I think what happens for a lot of us is, you know, this this turns into a kind of story where somehow the father gets pitted against the son, and there's some element of Jesus coming to uh, to to appease, yeah. which gets you into very different kind of story. Because I think what actually happens in the story of the cross is that everything is becoming illuminated, like the 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 character of God, the heart of God, and that's where I love where you're taking us in terms of Monday, Thursday, um, what we see in the humility of Jesus who washes the feet of his disciples, who gives them this new commandment. So the character of who God has always been revealed uh, or who God has always been is, is, is fully on display. By the same token, the kind of violence and the cycles of human violence and retribution that have always existed in the world are those mechanisms or what, you know, Rene Girard would talk about the scapegoating mechanism, that's also on display in the crucifixion story as, as, as well. So, and, and, and part of what I love about kind of approaching uh, the events of, of Holy Week that way is that instead of kind of having a disconnect or some kind of crazy left or right turn, what we see is like a, a deepening of the story that's yes. always been the story. That's right. The the heart of God that's always been is being revealed. That this, right. is, this is an ancient story that's becoming more clear in Jesus, yep. who God has always been, is becoming more clear. And in fact, um, the kind of violence and self-destruction that exists in us that we need to be saved from is also becoming more clear. Yes. Uh, but I think it gets really con- Torted if we turn into something to where somehow God's the one that we need to be saved from instead of God being revealed fully through this person of Jesus, who on this night is kneeling in humility, who's actually bowing in front of his disciples and handling right. their, their dirty feet. This is actually who, who God is, who God is Christian tradition. That's right. That's right. And, and to me, that's where that, that 
that idea that this is the 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 ultimate solidarity with the human condition. Yes, is it it carries over. It's a further. So what happens at the cross is a further disclosure of that. And and then it allows us to have a clearer picture of who um, of who God is and who we are. Yeah. And yeah. when we get those two things mixed up, we end up taking mm. our violence and putting it in the hands of God. Mm. And we make ourselves kind of in, in some way, it absolves us of the thing that we need to be repentant of. Yes, and yes, yes. Rather than if we take our violence and put it in the hands of God, it gives us mm. permission for our own violence. Yeah. Because mm. if the divine is violent, mm. we can be violent. Yeah. And so it it then rather so if there's this shift that happens, it really does empower our our violence and our scapegoating. Because yeah. if the divine would kill God's own son just yes. to pay yes. off or satiate some sense of holiness mm-hmm. or justice, mm-hmm. then then really, if we're honest, God needs to accept Jesus. Right. God yeah. the Father, yeah. rather, I should Ooh. say, the Father needs yeah. to accept Jesus. And we know that can't be the case. Mm. Um, and so it it has to be a further disclosure where God is inviting us to see a revelation of God and a revelation of ourselves. That's right. That's right. I love the way you said that, Joel. I mean, I do think scripture often works as a kind of Rorschach test, you know, right. the ink blots and right. what we see sometimes says a lot more about us than I think what's actually there. Yeah. But the way you put that and um, Joel was so... I thought was so wonderful and it's so stark. I feel like I'm I'm sure some people could drive by that and think, ah, well, that's just worded too strongly. I don't know what I really think about that. I hope people will let that settle in because I really believe that it's true that if you believe that if if the God that you worship um, is willing to use violence as a means to an end, if that if violence is part of the redemption story, right then there's kind of a utilitarianism that inevitably any of us, no matter how devout we might be, are going to have that same kind of philosophy. And we see this so often in, uh, you know, in in kind of the the dark side of church history where, you know, yeah, well, the, the, so long as we have a good end in mind, any kind of means are all right. And, yeah. and I think it's why this point is so critical is we end up projecting our violence on That's right. to God in that way, instead of seeing what the story really is. is oh, oh, no, no, no. What God's doing is saying to Peter, put away your sword. That's right. <laughs> that era is over. This is not the time for that. What we're seeing is the full revelation of God is the God who even in the face of human violence and rage and all of this injustice is disarmed and is fully embodied in self-sacrificial love. And I really do believe at this point, not, not to try to, to you know, press this too strongly, but I think if, you, if we don't grasp that, we way too easily get into a different story. We might still use the name of Jesus. We might still have Christian terminology or whatever, but it becomes a different story. That's right. If, 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 if all of this is not maintained. Well, yeah, because what ends up happening is there's no way that we tell a story where the father has to be paid right. by, by executing the son, where that doesn't actually break apart the Trinity. 
Yes. Is we've then pitted self-givenness and uh, given perfect givenness and perfect receivedness, which is the Trinity, mm-hmm. the re- perfect mm-hmm. relationship. So we then have pitted that against one another. And, you know, not to, not to, uh, you know, uh, use some caricature uh, to, to bring the point home, but when you break apart, I'm thinking of the atomic bomb is yeah. the separation of these these three things when you break that apart violence Mm -hmm. always is the result Mm -hmm. and so how then if we rather can see that there is divine solidarity not just divine solidarity with us but divine solidarity within the divine on the cross that's right god is on the cross Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in that way then we are seeing that as an exemplar of how we stay in relationship rather than these things that would allow us to uh, deny the humanity of others, which always leads to violence. That's right. Deny the image of God within one another, which always leads to violence. That's right. That's right. So critical, Joel. I mean, yeah, that's the, and it's it's interesting how often I feel like, you know, because it might, as, as much as I feel like what we're talking about on one hand might seem to be a basic thing, I, I feel like for so many of us, it's pretty revelatory and it actually is a shift. Like I think so often it's not told that God is the one who's on the cross. That's right. Reconciling the world and to God's self. To God's God self. is actually the one who's saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That's what God looks like. That's right. For Christians, this is the this is the one that we worship. That's right. And so I think yeah, to really to, to really grasp that this is this is who God is, is has so many implications for who who we're going to become you know what what does it look like to to worship this god what kind of people how are we going to be formed and that's why i feel like with the, a conversation like this is not abstract um Joel, can you still hear me? Yep, yep, you're good. Oh, sorry, my phone paused there for a second. That's why for me, a conversation like this is not abstract and theological or ivory tower at all. Like, no, this has implications. Like, what we believe about this is absolutely going to inform how we're going to live our real lives in the world. That's right. And 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 we're bombarded, um, knowingly or unknowingly, with a different story. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, without going to historical or, or uh, talking about, you know, the beginnings or how we got here, um, the idea that somebody has to be paid mm-hmm. is something that is dangerous when you're talking about God, because it really does undo grace. It actually undoes what grace is, which grace is complete and total forgiveness um, without, without any retributive sense, sense of payment. And so it does completely undo. And this is what I love now about some of the restorative justice work that's happening. Some of these different things where we're just seeing justice from more of a healing model than a, so, you know, I guess maybe a way to think about it is what we see on the cross is not God being paid. It's not a courtroom scene with God as the father is the judge. It's it, or the executioner for that matter, rather it is God reconciling the world unto God's self by receiving all of the violence, all of the sin, all of um, uh, those things that we would project, receiving it and not and not returning it, but recycling it and returning forgiveness instead. To me, that that is the gospel story. I love that. Yeah, I love that so much, Joel, because I, I feel like, you know, it's 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 part of where I feel like, you know, 
the language of metaphor can just be so limited because I feel like for many of us in the West, this kind of legal language, the courtroom metaphor is the only one we have. Whereas really in scripture, it's one metaphor. It's, while it can be a helpful one, it's actually a minority one. And it's not the same kind of court that we have now or the same kind of court system. doesn't mean the same thing. So people are reading Romans and they're, well, and honestly, I think that's true even in the 1600s. I think people even then are reading, you know, it's like, well, not not, not reading how the legal system even worked 1600 years before. But in reality, what we get throughout scripture or throughout the New Testament, rather, in particular, is we get so many different ways, so many different images of what the crucifixion does. Trying to get at it. Exactly. Exactly. It's multifaceted. And if we just focus on one to the exclusion of the others, I think that's exactly what's happened is that in just kind of eliminating this one metaphor to the exclusion of the others is that we lose so much of the, of the beauty of the story. And that what's, and that what's happening on the cross is not just some sort of a transaction, but no, like this is the, the cross is for our healing. The cross is God bring healing and wholeness to the world. This isn't about fulfilling some kind of a legal loophole. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's and what, right. what kind of a story would it be if, if, if that's, if that's who God really is, is that God's an accountant who that's needs right. to balance the books. And that's yeah. the reason that Jesus dies on the cross. Come on. Like surely, surely there's something deeper than that. That's right. Well, as, as we kind of wind down, I love you do such uh, such great work around this particular idea. So I'd love for you to kind of, you know, connect this again back to the, the Maudie Thursday conversation. But um, I do love the idea and Bonaventure used this language, Carl Jung used this language, but we where we actually do look at the cross as, you know, a collision of opposites where you literally mm-hmm. have, you know, these these lines and showing all of the collisions that are happening where the divine is inside of our pain. Even that idea of God sitting with us in our pain, weeping with us is Mm -hmm. something that's hard for us to grasp. That's a collision in some ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and seeing Jesus, you know, um, on his knees with a towel, you know, washing their feet. So I'd love for, as we close to, for you to kind of connect that to the way we see um, who God really is, again, fully revealed in the nature of Jesus. And the nature of God is it, that Jesus shows us in his life is not different mm-hmm. than the nature of God we see in his death. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's that's so good, Joe. I thought your questions, the, the way you're framing all this is so much better than anything I'm going to say about it. But, you know, I love like, even that language of the collision of opposites, because that's part of the beauty of the cross for me now, is I feel like so often people feel like it's at these intersections of their lives where things don't easily go together, Mm. that that's where God is absent. And precisely what I feel like the cross is illustrates to us, illuminates to us over and over again is that God is present most, especially at these intersections uh, that seem really complex and contradictory or whatever. No, this is where God is especially present yeah. And the 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 idea for me that the God who's revealed on that cross is um, a God of of just endless self-giving love that that the who comes in a spirit of washing feet and then commands us to do the same. How interesting then that so often then that 
you know, uh, and I did grow up in a tradition where we did wash feet and it's a, and it's a beautiful practice, but then to think that somehow that is, that's a practice that we've been given that somehow the God who gave us this practice would not still be humble in this way or kind of Jesus ascended and now God's not like that or Jesus ascended and now is going to come back and as dirty Harry or whatever. No, like what we see on Monday, Thursday is the way of the cross. It's all the same story. This is all about a God who is humble and a God who chooses to respond to the rejection and the violence and the rage of the world, not matching blow for blow, not like eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but instead responding with humility, with deference, uh, returning cursing with blessing and actually actually stooping. That's the way of Jesus. What we see in the gospels before we get to the crucifixion narrative already is the way of the cross. We're seeing the way of the cross before Jesus gets That's to right. the cross. That's so right. a story like what we have with Jesus washing the disciples' feet, uh, no, this is just part and parcel of the journey. This is what that way of the cross, this is what that way of descent looks like. It's, it's, this, is, this is part of the journey. So in that regard, it really isn't strange if we've been paying attention to what the Gospels have been trying to tell us about who Jesus is and therefore who God is all along. I think like for, for a lot of us, though, that's still really hard for us to grasp that God could be that good, that God really could look like Jesus, um, that the God that we worship now actually would still want to come in that same kind of humility with that kind of sweetness and tenderness, because, you know, I just think that's just not, that's just not the news a lot of us have heard, but that's the good news that Monday, Thursday brings to us. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good, Jonathan. Thank you so much. That's so wonderful. I, um, I, I'm so grateful that we could have, you know, this conversation together. And uh, I wonder if you would mind um, you just closing us out in, in a word of prayer and, and maybe invite us into maybe even, you know, a place where we can, maybe some of us, when Jesus comes to wash our feet, we try and keep our shoes on. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we don't feel worthy of that. Or we feel like, you know, um, that there are things we're still wrestling with or, or shame or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, maybe maybe if you could just pray and and um, invite us into that practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's beautiful, Joel. And thank you again for having me. It's 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 so good to be here. What a beautiful conversation. I love this so much. And as always, I feel like we talk just what the Holy Spirit is so in it um, as we pray. Um, I want to just invite you to close your eyes wherever you are. And I think the thing I'd want to invite you into just by way of meditation, and I didn't plan any of this, so we can talk about a prayer at the end. But you know what I'm really, what's what's coming to mind right now is specifically that when Jesus washes disciples' feet, how Peter is the one who, you know, at first says, oh, no, no, you just, you just can't do this. And as we're kind of envisioning this scene by way of meditation and remembering that, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the time because this isn't that Peter's stupid or something like that. It's the same shame that any of us have when we're approached with unimaginable love and grace and beauty uh, and we don't feel worthy. And yet, so it's not a rebuke, really. But when Jesus says, you know, like, you know, Peter, if you don't let me do this, like you have no part with me. The idea is there really is no way to move forward in the life of God and the life of grace 
unless we allow Jesus to actually wash our feet. So I just want to encourage you just wherever you are right now, um, just to step into that kind of humility. Some of us are, well, I think that's true for most of us. It's so much easier to wash somebody else's feet, isn't it? Than to have our own feet washed. But God, we just, now we step into that moment where we remember that if we're going to go any further with Jesus, that we have to have our feet washed first. And so even though always those instincts come up of not me and I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough. You can't do this. Uh, There's something about this just is not right. God, we really want to invite you and we want to welcome that gentle, humble presence of the spirit that cleanses and that purifies and that handles us with care. And we don't want to allow shame to keep us from the hands of Jesus that come to heal us and that come to soothe us and to bind up our wounds. So I just pray that even this night, for as much as Holy Week is a journey into solidarity with Jesus, that this will also, this night in particular will be a night where we allow you to handle our wounded places and broken places. And um, just that the touch of Jesus would come to each of us, wherever we are, asking the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, friend. Oh, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. What a what a great conversation. So, so good. All right. Well, thank you, Gobin. And thank you, Jonathan. Um, again, what a, what a gift. And we pray that uh, this has been an encouragement to you on this wonderful Monday, Thursday.